Goldthorpe is number one. A kickstart for Australia. Gold in a world record. Now it's Donovan Bailey trying to pick up runners. Donovan Bailey is putting on the third. A perfect score, 10.0 for Nancy Cavanici, a perfect score. The first time I've never seen anyone get a So in over 100 years, nobody's won as many medals at the Olympic Games in any sport than this great champion, Michael Phelps. Usain Bolt, sprinting ahead, winning by daylight and setting a world record. 9.68, the wind is okay. How easy was that? It is Off The Podium, an Olympics podcast coming to you again today for an interview, another great interview from the sport of gymnastics. Georgia Godwin, Tokyo Olympian, competed in the women's all-around in artistic gymnastics. And this is a great chat with Georgia, another insightful journey through her career, learning a lot about overcoming disappointment from narrowly missing the Rio 2016 Olympics. Nearly gave away the sport, but a week away helped turn her head back into competition mode, to which she then went on to some of the best results of her career after that. And a great insight into the sport of gymnastics. Obviously, we always love learning a little bit more about the sports we're talking to the athletes about, the strategy around it, the apparatuses, why women don't do some apparatus in Olympic competition and why men don't do some competition apparatus as well. So very, very insightful here and a great chat which I know you are going to enjoy. So here is our chat with Tokyo Olympian Georgia Godwin. We're returning to the sport of gymnastics today and I'm very excited to speak with our next guest. She's recently returned home from the Tokyo Olympics. She's a Commonwealth Games medalist, a World Cup medalist and somebody who I've been really excited to learn more about her amazing career and what the Olympics meant to her and everything else in between. Please welcome to Off the Podium, Georgia Goblin. First of all, Georgia, welcome to the show. It's a pleasure to have you on <laughs> Off the Podium today. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. Really looking forward to um, having a chat with you. It's one of those things that are you used to hearing the words, you're an Olympian? Like, is it just something that you just want people to repeat to you all the time? Like, you're an Olympian, Georgia. Come on, you're an Olympian. <laughs> um, it hasn't really, like, sunk in yet. Like, I know it's been, I think, about a month now since we've actually competed, but, like, it still sounds weird when people are like, oh, you're an Olympian now. Like, how does it feel? I'm like, wait, I, yeah, I am. Like, <laughs> <laughs> like I, I constantly need to keep reminding myself that, like, we actually did that a month ago. Yeah. Um, so yeah, all that Strange. work to sort of like go, and I can imagine it felt like a, a thousand year journey to kind of get there, and then now all of a sudden you're just sitting in sunny Brisbane, going, "Okay, cool, Olympics. That's that's that, yeah. and uh, let's go on to the next one." <laughs> yeah, definitely. Like with the um, COVID situation, it, it um, was a little bit longer than expected, <laughs> but yeah, now I'm in Brisbane, and yeah, it's like. I, I have all these wonderful memories to look back on, but it literally felt like it happened with like a click of your fingers, like <laughs> then it was all finished. So I do miss it all. Um, and yeah, now looking forward to the next one, like you said. 
it's I always love the the journey that sort of athletes have on this show where they get in into the sport. And I believe you started at the age of three. Now I, I believe you actually started with a bit of trampolining uh, before it went into artistic gymnastics. Which I'm always intrigued to find out with the many disciplines of gymnastics how that kind of works. So uh, yeah. what was it that ultimately led from the switch from trampoline in, into artistic? Could we have seen you as a trampoline gymnast in in Tokyo? Had that gone a different direction? Um, I started on trampoline, like just cause mum and dad had purchased one when I was a lot younger. Um, so I had that was trying to teach myself some stuff, um, climbing the furniture, just causing havoc at home. Um, <laughs> and then mum and dad were like, okay, we're going to put you somewhere where you can learn skills and stay safe while doing it. Um, and that's kind of where gymnastics started. Um, the trampoline guys, I actually watched my first trampoline competition at the Olympics. I watched, um, Dom and Jess and like they jumped so high and the aerial awareness required is like, it's incredible. So I'm, I'm glad I stuck with gymnastics because watching them jump <laughs> made my heart beat a little bit faster than normal. <laughs> just, just a bit. And there was never any temptation then to maybe pick up a ball or a ribbon and try out rhythmic as well? Because I, I don't know like how much cross, you know, platforming there can be in gymnastics that maybe you want to give each a crack at some point. Yeah. Um, as a gymnast, hand-eye coordination is not fantastic. Um, <laughs> uh, so, yeah, not sure how well it would go if I combined a ball or a ribbon into my sport. But yeah, like maybe down the track, I might give it a go. Sounds yeah, I, fun. <laughs> I'd like to see, I'd like to see kind of almost like a modern pentathlon style gymnastics where maybe you start on a trampoline and you've got to like land on a beam and then catch a ball and like land with a ribbon, like kind of do some sort of combination event there to really, I guess, you know, in, entice all the different disciplines into one. Yeah, that actually sounds like a lot of fun. Maybe have like a floor routine with like a partner, like a two yeah. kind of person floor routine. That <laughs> that can work. Throwing the yeah. clubs around at each other and kind yeah. of doing that, and then you got to end on a you got to end on a trampoline again to so kind of just you know balance it all out. So yeah, definitely. Really, really go that Let's way. Let's get that we, into motion. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I see a big listeners to this show, so I'm sure they'll be uh, thinking ahead of Brisbane 2032. Perfect time to. Oh uh, yes. To, to bring it in. Did you take part in many other sports sort of outside of gymnastics growing up or was it sort of always focused gymnastics and didn't really try anything else? Um, I, I did a little bit of tennis. I think if I didn't do gymnastics, I'd be in the tennis world. But other than that, like I did school sports, so like athletics, I did some swimming. Um, I did a little bit of karate with my brother. Um, but yeah, None of the sports like really got me excited like gymnastics. So I guess that's kind of why I stuck with that. And 20 years later, here I am. <laughs> you are, yeah. Which was it also an Olympic ambition? Was this something as a, as a kid growing up that you, you watched the Olympics, kind of something that you thought to yourself, well, this would be a pretty cool thing to go towards? Um, not really. So unlike many other Olympic athletes, I didn't really have the Olympic dream till a bit later on in my career. Um, I did gymnastics cause it was fun. Like I loved the challenge. The environment was so supportive all the time. And then I think closer to the Rio Olympics in 2016, um, I think maybe two years out from that, that's when I was like, Oh, okay. Like we have a pretty good chance of making a team and I'm helping this team achieve this goal. So like, that's where my Olympic dream kind of kicked on and, um, yeah, really spurred my training. At what point then sort of growing through the motions, growing up kind of with gymnastics and going towards that point you were just talking about there, were mm -hmm. were there realisations that 
I'm pretty good at this. This is something that I could maybe uh, sort of keep going. Is it sort of the first time maybe you, you represent the state, kind of going to a national sort of like, at what point are you really starting to focus on, okay, this is something I'm going to really pursue for my career? Yeah. Um, when I was nine, I actually used to live on the Gold Coast. So when I was nine, I was asked to uh, move up to Brisbane for a trial with um, two of the best elite coaches in Australia. And I was like, Oh, okay. Like I didn't, I didn't understand the concept of a national stream and an international stream. So um, at that point I was like, Oh, okay. Like I must be doing something right if they want me to go up in trial. And then after the trial, they wanted me to move up permanently. And so yeah, that gave me the confidence of like these people believe that I can do it. So I need to kind of put some belief in myself. And then, yeah, I was learning all these other skills, these, big girl skills as I call them and yeah it just went from there what what is a big girl skill is that kind of just going going on a beam a little bit more kind of doing more of the the parallel but like what do you transition from junior into the big girl skills um for me because I was mostly always the youngest in the group um when I was on the Gold Coast so I was always trying to do the same skills that the older girls were doing. So if I was doing something on the floor and they were doing it on the beam, I'd be kind of striving to get my floor skill onto the beam. But when I moved up to Brisbane, they were doing like double, um, double tucks on the floor. They were doing all these crazy things on the bars. And I was like, okay, like that's, that's what I want to do. I'm going to train hard and I'm going to get there keep going forward with that I, I like the thing that's always fascinating about gymnastics of course and it's always talked about is sort of the, the age ranges but it's, mm. it's such a fascinating sport that you're nine years old and you're kind of going through that mentality and you're having to face things like that I mean I think when we, we spoke with Emily a few weeks ago like I can't even remember what I was doing at nine you know let alone being focused on kind of you know this goal and having these sort of big girl moves sort of things like that <laughs> I mean is it a is it a case of like it really does help you you know, grow up as, as an adult kind of that you've had to face all this sort of stuff at such a young age on a competitive and a sporting level that outside of sport, like you face these kind of things so young that really life can hit you with other things and you've kind of already, you know, gone through <laughs> quite a much to get to that point. Definitely. I, I really do think like not just gymnastics, but um, sport at this level um, really does make you grow up quicker and mature a lot quicker because yeah, at, any age in sport you can be like injuries can be thrown at you all these different obstacles can be thrown at you and you kind of just have to push through that and when you're younger you have an amazing sport network so when you do get older and you have to overcome those obstacles again you know who to turn to and you know how to overcome these what works for you what doesn't so yeah I really do think sport teaches um the athletes to mature and how to handle different situations the thing i also love about gymnastics is i guess that flexibility you've got to have on many levels but i guess in terms of say the all-around competition where you've got to really kind of hit the marks on on four very uniquely different apparatuses kind of going through there when Mm -hmm. you are making your way through the motions do you always kind of try and focus on sort of an all-around aspect? I mean, are you kind of very focused on one apparatus and see what you can do in the all-around? Kind of what was always your mentality towards competitions and, and how you would approach representing? Yeah. my um, So I'm not a specialist on any apparatus. I'm an all-arounder. So my focus has always been um, equal time and effort spent across the four apparatuses. But 
like I, I love one more than the rest. So <laughs> can you tell us what I'm, it is, Georgia, or do you not want um, to admit that? <laughs> four. No, I, I've always loved the four since I was young. Like I love tumbling. I'm a powerhouse athlete. So all of that stuff gets me really excited because I can just use everything in the tank and just go for a flat strap. Um, but yeah, like, like I said, I'm an all arounder, so I really do have to, um, train harder with my weaknesses <laughs> that I have. Um, but also, yeah, keep up to date with everything, um, that I like. Is there one that you kind of don't like? Like is it, of the four, is there one you just like, ah, shit, I really don't want to do the, I really don't <laughs> want to do the beam today. <laughs> oh, the beam, like we have a love hate relationship, um, so yeah, depending on the day, like we'll get along really well. Other days I'm like, I, I can't even like make friends with you right now. I can't, I can't deal with you right now. But when I was younger bars, I absolutely hated the bars. I'd always get blisters on my hands. I just couldn't keep up with the other athletes. Um, it was just like my nemesis. And, um, because of injury, um, I had some ankle issues. I had to spend a lot of time on bars. It was two hours every session on the bars. So now it is like it's very close to my favorite with the floor. Wow. <laughs> so it's really interesting how the tables can turn through um, adversities like that. So. so you're going to be besties with the beam by Paris. Like this is going to be your friend, right? Like, hey, you know, good to see you again. Let, let's do this. <laughs> I hope so. I'll let you know. <laughs> Um, yeah, we'll see about that. Do you, do you actually, like, do you legitimately talk to these, like, do you literally look at that beam and go, right, it's you and me, like, come on, bring it on. Like, cause I, I, I love that kind of mentality in some sports where people almost, you know, picture something that's a hurdle, uh, and, and kind of like talk to it like it's a person. And cause that can sometimes legitimately help, can't it? Yes. I, so before Olympics, um, our first apparatus was the beam and it's, um, for me, it's not the best apparatus to start on because you really need to control your nerves and um, one mis- like one little error can lead to like this whole, I guess, domino effect. And um, Emily was first, I was second, so we were pretty much starting the competition. And, um, yeah, before the- my beam was here and I was like, come on, like, please be nice to me. Like, if any day you're going to be nice, it's today. You've got to be nice to me. Um, and yeah, like afterwards I, I stayed on the beam. I did a pretty nice beam routine. I was like, thank you. <laughs> like I actually <laughs> thanked this like object. <laughs> nice. Nice. It's scary when if it starts to talk back to you though, that's kind of when you get worried. Yeah. That's, um, <laughs> a bit worrying. <laughs> when you, might, you might be speaking to your sports psychologist a little bit, but yeah. So the beam started talking back to me. What does that mean? <laughs> <laughs> yes. I think. That's when you need a little bit of break from training. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Is it a common aspect of gymnastics that mainly people are sort of all around athletes? Kind of like is is that a common part of it, or or generally are people sort of more focused? Like I'm a, I'm a floor athlete and I'll throw my hat in the ring for the all around to see how far I can go. Yeah, well, as a younger athlete, um, especially in Australia, like you have to do all four to kind of move through the levels and the ranks and all of that, but as a senior athlete, like if you've got one apparatus that you know you can fight for the podium for, like you want to spend as much energy and time on that apparatus as you can. But at the same time, like you kind of want to spread out your training, I guess, like spending four hours on one single apparatus over six days a week, like can, can start playing a role 
like on your mental health and physical health. So yeah, I think lots of athletes, um, especially like senior athletes, they do do all four apparatuses, but they do tend to focus on one or two that they're, they know they're better at. Cause it's that unique aspect too. I can imagine on, on the physical training side of things outside of just pounding away on the apparatus, you know, hitting the gym, doing things along those lines. It's that each of them have their own unique abilities. You're talking about sort of like the power side of the floor and then kind of, mm. you know, the upper body strength I can imagine on the bars. Like, I mean, it's kind of, yeah. I can imagine your gym routine is very sort of specific to cater for all four apparatus. Yeah, definitely. Um, like I do an hour of strength in the morning almost every day. And yeah, there is a combination of leg strength, body strength. We do ballet because you need the, I guess, the flexibility and the elegance like on beam and floor. So it's just this whole combination of um, preparation, I guess, for these four apparatuses that we need to do. I just, on, on the bars, I love watching during a competition your coach sort of standing there and, and kind of, you know, saying things and almost like they're always ready to, to catch you. How much is that helping you in the middle of a routine that all of a sudden a coach says that? And can they legitimately catch you, Georgia? Like if, if you fuck up and like are they there to like legitimately catch you? Or is it just more of a, hey, I've got you, but I won't really catch you because I can't do that? For me, it's more of a mental thing. So since I was younger, I've always had my coach stand there in my bar routine and there are releases where if you – like don't catch it, you do have a pretty long fall to the floor. But um, for me, I know I can fall safely flat. And if my coach does try to, I guess, catch me, like it's putting him in danger, it's putting me in danger. So if I do fall, he, he just stands there and lets me fall flat to the floor. And the reason he is standing there is for I guess, moral support. (laughs) (laughs) So if I see him there, I'm like, okay, I'm safe. I can do this. Like if anything does go catastrophically wrong, he will be there and it'll all be okay. I, I love just hearing these sports where kind of you have a coach. We've spoken to a few aerial skiers and I'm kind of, it's like, you know, does that coach literally yelling at you mid-flight actually help? And it's always interesting to hear that it actually does because yeah. it's sort of, it's it's always fascinating. You, you're thinking you're in the air for so little amount of time. Like how can that actually help you? But mm. it's kind of good to kind of know that, yeah, we're not just watching it for the entertainment value that your coach just likes to yell at you a little bit while you're in, in the middle of a competition. <laughs> Definitely. And like it's, the little like quirks your coaches have. So when my, I know exactly what my coach is going to do for every single skill of my routine. And sometimes we can't go to competitions with our coaches. So other coaches step in. So you do have to kind of like wrap your head around the fact that it's not your coach and you have to trust the other coach and you have to build this bond, I guess. And it is like this whole process. So yeah, I've been with my coaches for 14 years. So they know me better than I know me. Like I know them very well. And yeah. I can imagine that bond though is, is pretty strong that as you're saying, mm-hmm. they, they know you so well. I mean, they basically become almost like, I guess your second parents in some aspect, don't they? Cause I yeah. mean, you're probably seeing them more than your parents at some time. Yeah, so I, do. <laughs> I mean, is it also a case of like you're training with them, but you kind of have to bond with them, say you would a teammate. Cause you've got to have that relationship with them where you, you trust them enough to, to put your athletic ability in them that they can also kind of trust that and connect on all different levels. Yeah, definitely. Like trust is, oh, it's so important in like gymnastics and any other sport. Like if I'm going for a skill that I'm not 100% confident in myself with, but my coaches say I am, I'm putting my trust in my coaches that I can do it because I know they will not put me in a situation where it could put me in danger. 
So if they're like, no, like we believe you can do it, I'll go for that skill 100%. And yeah, it always turns out right. Like it's just this little mental block that you kind of have to get through. And the trust from your coaches is normally what gets me me through all of that. And I can imagine too, it's setting those goals. So like if you're working out routines, be it on the floor or kind of any of the apparatus that it's, you achieve a certain standard and then all of a sudden it's, it's pushing you towards that next one. So you mm-hmm. may be pushing to a, a triple instead of a double or something along those lines that you kind of work towards and it's that motivation level to work and strive towards those next set of goals. Yeah, definitely. And sometimes the coaches will step in and actually spot you um, with new skills or if you're feeling a bit tired at competition, like in the warm-ups, they might spot you then as well. So yeah, like there's a lot of trust that goes between like athlete-coach relationships. You mentioned before sort of the Olympics coming onto your radar a little bit in the lead up to Rio. Now, you narrowly missed out on Rio. Uh, mm-hmm. How close were you, kind of what happened there and sort of how is that turning the disappointment of nearly making an Olympics into, I guess, spurring you on to another four-year period to try and strive for the next Olympics? Yeah, so in the lead up to Rio, I actually um, – it was a period in my life where I had been constantly injured. <laughs> so it wasn't the best lead up to Rio. Um, we, we had at world championships, we had made it into this group of, I guess, countries where we went on to a test event and the top, I think two or three countries from that test event moved on to the Olympics and we had just missed out on that. So I guess being so close to qualifying a team, an Australian team, and potentially being on that team competing at the Rio Olympics to having one athlete there, um, it was really hard. And it took a toll on my mental health. Um, I told my coaches, like, because it's a roller coaster of emotions, like you want to do the best for your team, but you're putting your body and your mind on the line to get there. And I said, I, ca- I can't do that again. Like, I can't put myself through that for Tokyo. And my coach just said, no, we 100% agree, like where you're at right now, take two weeks off, go on a holiday, don't think about gym. And then within a week, I was like, get me back in the gym. Like there was a fire in my belly and I knew I wanted to go to Tokyo and I was ready to do anything and everything that I needed to do to get there. But I guess like you, I needed to be told to go on a holiday because as like for me as an elite, like elite gymnast, I hadn't had a break for a very long time. So it was always go, 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 go. And to be told to go on a holiday, I'm like, wait, what? (laughs) (laughs) But at that point, it's what I needed to kind of reset my mind and body to be ready for the next five years to Tokyo. (laughs) And did you go on a holiday? And if so, where did you go? Where's the secret holiday place that people need to go to reset themselves? (laughs) Yeah, I went to Japan. Oh, wow. um, Perfect motivation. (laughs) Yeah. My mum is actually from Japan. So I went over there, um, saw my grandpa, saw some family and literally just it was relaxed mode the whole time. There was no strength, no exercising, just, yeah, resetting the mind and the body. Which it obviously worked. Uh, went yes. on to achieve uh, 13th at the, the World Champs, uh, silver medal at the World Cup in Melbourne and a, and a couple of medals on, on the home home court, I like to say, I guess, on, yes. on the Gold Coast at the, the Com Games. I mean, mm-hmm. obviously... It just, it was a great period sort of of your career there. I mean, how sort of post-Commonwealth Games were you feeling mentally after all that you'd achieved in a couple of years after nearly giving away the sport? Yeah, like Com Games, 
it's really hard to pick a favorite competition out of Com Games and Olympics, but they are both like up there. Com Games on the Gold Coast, like where I was born, oh, it's just an incredible experience. Like I'd walk out and I'd be like, hey, I, I know that person. I know that person in the crowd. Like, oh my God, mom and dad are just sitting over there. Like it was actually <laughs> insane. And the vibe in the stadium was I actually don't think I'll ever experience that again um, internationally. Like it was incredible. And yeah, um, first day of comp wasn't fantastic for me. I had two falls. Um, They were unexpected. So I did have to like reset for day two and then to come away with a silver. I was like, yeah, I I had no (laughs) words. And then to medal on bars um, out of all the apparatuses, um, it really was a big confidence booster leading up into the trials for like worlds and worlds, which was trials for Olympics and all of that. So yeah, it did play a big role in my career. That competition. The vibe there was just incredible. And I can't even imagine what it's like to be actually from that city, as you're saying, kind of having all those people there as well. I mean, anybody, any athlete who's got an opportunity to compete in front of a home crowd, be it a Com Games, Olympics, World Champs is obviously quite lucky, but to literally have it in the backyard where you grew up adds another thing. I mean, you also got the bronze in the team, so you got to share that with your your team members as well. I mean, do you just walk around with sort of three Commonwealth Games medals around your your neck and kind of just go, this is kind of cool, I, I could get used to this? Um, every now and then I do have to pull them out and I'm like, oh man, like this really happened. Like I got to experience this with the best Australian team, with my family, with my friends and like everyone got to see what I'd been working so hard towards. And yeah, like I still get goosebumps thinking about it. (laughs) (laughs) Like it was amazing. If Yeah. 100% would do another home com games if I could. Um, Brisbane 2032 is a little, little far away. Uh, never I don't know say if my never, Georgia. Think of Oksana. Come on, think of Oksana. That's all I say. <laughs> yeah, not saying I won't be there 100%, but we'll see how we go. <laughs> see how we go. Which we, we generally ask on the show sort of when we've got Olympic medalists on, like if they try and get free stuff. I'm trying to think of the Commonwealth Games, the home Commonwealth Games. You've got three medals. I can't imagine that if you're walking around, you know, surfers or somewhere like that with three Commonwealth medals around your net, you're not going to get some free shit. Like did you try it? Did you try and get some free stuff with the medals? Um. Oh, I don't know. Like, oh, it's hard. We did get some Byron Bay peanut butter. Yep, yep. <laughs> so the team from that um, company sent us a heap of peanut butter and it was like the best thing in the world because gymnasts are big peanut butter fans. Um, but yeah, other than that, like pretty much straight back home training for um, Tokyo. So um, wow. not a lot of like sponsorship opportunities for gymnastics like it's it's becoming I guess we're coming more into the spotlight now um which is nice but yeah like it's it's a work in progress well just before I get to that part of things I, I want to quickly clarify what what's the deal with peanut butter and gymnasts like what why is there kind of a thing that you guys love the the peanut butter I don't know I think it's just like a snack thing like especially after training because I don't eat breakfast I'm always looking for a convenient easy snack and peanut butter on crackers, on celery, on carrots. Yeah. Like it's easy, healthy. So, yeah. Does and the job. You can, crunchy or smooth? Yeah. Crunchy or smooth, crunchy. Georgia? 100% crunchy. 100% crunchy. And you can travel with it too. So you can bring your own Aussie peanut butter to wherever you need in in the world. <laughs> that's that's a, that's a good point. Just on the, on the sponsorship side of things though, because – 
gymnastics is obviously one of these, you know, it's one of the biggest sports at the Olympics. You know, it's kind of got the, a lot of prominence and all that kind of stuff. And it's always one mm. that I feel is heavily promoted, at least when it comes around there. But it's sort of, it's between the cycles and I can imagine. Is that sort of the, the difficult period that, particularly say in a country like Australia, where we, we definitely focus on it on the Com Games and Olympics, but we're not really that focused on it outside of those. And kind of, is that a difficult aspect then for you going out in the world stage and, and competing, lack of sponsorship, lack of funding, things like that? Yeah, like... It, it is getting a lot better. Our nationals, I think a couple of years ago, that was streamed. We had our Melbourne World Cup, that was streamed. So we're getting more and more stuff on TV. Um, I'm pretty sure I saw the Melbourne World Cup actually on free-to-air TV, which was incredible. And um, it was on KO. Like we're getting more and more, I guess, people watching. But, yeah, unless it's a huge event like Olympics or Com Games, not a lot of people go out looking for gymnastics, um, but it is changing. Like we've got so many young athletes enrolled. We've got so many gymnastics clubs like popping up everywhere in Australia. So it is like an evolving sport. So looking forward to what happens in the future with it. Well, given we mentioned Brisbane, I mean, there's obviously an 11 year period yeah. now where kind of the sport can really grow. I mean, we had Jai Wallace on several months back and obviously Australia's only Olympic medal in gymnastics came in trampoline, but it's sort mm-hmm. of, it's almost that surprising aspect that it's a sport that Australia hasn't really kind of pushed further. So, I mean, it would kind of be a good period right now to kind of develop it a little bit more, maybe get sort of more of that focus out there that you're saying is sort of growing and really push towards kind of uh, bringing that, some success to, to Brisbane because, I mean, that would be the perfect time to do it, wouldn't it? Yeah, definitely. Like we've got an amazing group of junior athletes coming up, junior junior athletes who will be um, able to compete at the 32 Olympics. So um, I think, yeah, if we, if we can, like we need to give as much support and funding as we can to these athletes to continue growing and I guess, yeah, giving our sport the best chance of having happy, healthy athletes that can potentially medal. And, of course, having someone like Tyson getting fifth uh, at the Olympics too would uh, be a bit of a help there too. Gets a bit of attention there. Great performance from from Tyson. Which I can imagine sort of, you know, team in general. You, Emily, you know, must have been a great sort of uh, moment there to celebrate with Tyson getting so well in, in the yeah, Olympics. Yeah, definitely. Like it was actually incredible watching his high bar performance. And Emily and I were actually in hotel quarantine by that point. Um, but, yeah, watching it on TV and – Anything can happen um, in in a final. So making it to a final and then competing is like an amazing experience. So, yeah, he's done an amazing job for especially mag gymnastics, which um, is like we need a bit more spotlight on the men's side of gymnastics, which, yeah, he's definitely brought to the sport. It made me want to actually give it a go, George. <laughs> um, you know, I, I actually want to give like mag gymnastics – a go like it looks fun what why like what why do. do you not get to do like the rings or like the the pomp like i, I kind of want to see like they talk about equality and kind of spreading it out in the sport like why why do the men have so many more apparatus that the women can't do i actually have no idea i just know that with the beam like i don't know how um good that would be for men's gymnastics considering the stacks that happened to us like we split the beam a lot so that may be um, a little Might painful a for you guys. Scare, scary little aspect for the men to uh, fuck that yeah. up. Yeah. Uh. Yeah. But like with us doing pommel horse or rings, like I'm not really sure why. Yeah. I know like the guys, they are built, like they are so strong. 
to be able to do those apparatuses because you're pretty much supporting on your two two hands. Yeah. Um, so yeah. I don't know. We'll give it Which a go. Which is another one. I think when we had the Rhythmic Girls on several months ago too, we talked about why isn't there men's Rhythmic job? I want to see a bunch of men going around with some ribbons and some clubs. Like, I mean, come on, equality out there for all. Bring bring Definitely. men's Rhythmic Gymnastics. I'll give it a go. In um, I went to a competition in Japan and, like, the performance before the actual competition started was a group of men's Rhythmic Gymnasts and they combined, like, gymnastics floor with Rhythmic. So they were wow. tumbling. They were doing all this crazy stuff but with the elegance of like the ribbon and I'm pretty sure they had hoops and it was like an amazing thing to watch and I was thinking like why don't we have this in Australia like why is it not a thing (laughs) yeah well it's it's interesting like I know when I've been in the states and you kind of see competitive cheerleading like you don't realize the competitive nature of that sport and then when you see the men involved in it too like this is a big deal and they're obviously talking about potentially having that at the la olympics so i mean Mm. it's it's a thing like it's all well and good to be like ah look at the men with ribbon but no it's a thing like this this should be more of a thing out there well i watched a netflix documentary about the cheerleaders in america and like it really did open my eyes as to how competitive and how much time and effort they put into it and i was like wow like I actually didn't know like it was this type of sport where like people were trying to like get athletes from other clubs in to kind of boost their performance. And yeah, it was amazing to watch actually. (laughs) It's always interesting, isn't it? When you sort of have exposure with now things like Netflix, I I know, for example, I've always been a massive formula one fan and it's always interesting meeting people now who've watched the drive to survive documentary on Netflix and really kind of gotten them into the sport. And I'm thinking Mm. gymnastics. I mean, I remember growing up loving the show, make it or break it and then loving (laughs) stick it, which, you know, obviously kind of, uh, what is it? It's not called gymnastics or whatever that line was. I mean, in all seriousness, do things like that help or hinder the sport? Because obviously it exposes people a little bit to it, but obviously it's a very fictionalised version of the sport. So, I mean, kind of do you see it kind of as a good and a bad thing that it can be for the sport of gymnastics and you've got popular media out there like that? Um, I think I'm actually not sure. Like I've seen little bits of make it or break it, but would stick it like, Lots of people were talking about it for so long, even now, like it's on TV every now and again. So I think like it it shows the side of gymnastics that like it's not an easy sport. It really does take its toll on your body. Um, But you've got like an amazing network around you once you get into a club with your team. And yeah, you, you can call them your sisters, like you build a family. So yeah, I think there's good and bad sides of gymnastics movies. Um, but yeah, Sticky will always be a classic. I, I can say make it or break it. Uh, um, yeah, not maybe the most realistic, uh, of it, <laughs> but it was mildly entertaining for a couple of couple of seasons at least. Uh, <laughs> you qualify for Tokyo now. Through all that journey you were mentioning before, the disappointment of Rio, kind of turning it around. What's that moment like when you officially know you've booked that ticket? to the Olympics is it all worth it everything at that point is just like yep I I went to Japan for a week made the right decision here I am I'm now an Olympian (laughs) oh I well when I found out it was the 2019 world championships and we were there to qualify a team of four Australian gymnasts to Olympics um and we actually missed out by one spot um by one mark and so it was heartbreaking like we were there for a job to qualify team and we ended up qualifying one athlete so it was bittersweet like the team we were all upset um but at the same time like the girls were so supportive of me that I had 
qualified individually and they're like anything you need like let us know we'll help you get there so yeah we had that roller coaster we had to get through then we had covid and then we had the media announcing that oh the japanese government's going to postpone olympics then the japanese government's going to cancel it and it was just like a roller coaster of emotion and yeah actually getting to the olympics like after the competition i just i broke down because it had been this journey and we had finally made it and i was there with like this incredible teammate emily who was also had gone through so much with melbourne lockdowns she had injuries she had to overcome so yeah we both just cried <laughs> which which just shows again that that toll and kind of Going back to what I was saying about you growing up at such a young age in a sport like gymnastics, but I mean, you still got to allow yourself those moments for things to kind of just hit you because, again, yeah. it's been such a journey for you to get there. And with all the added COVID goodness it had in the lead up to it, you know, it's just yeah. incredible to be there, isn't it? Yeah. And then on top of that, like we couldn't have our family there. Um, it was all like with COVID and stuff, we couldn't have crowds. So it was like a combination of everything. Um, yeah, we just really wanted, we were all happy to be there. And the whole competition, like it, the vibe was everyone was just really excited to be competing again at the Olympics. And we were all cheering for each other. We were one big family. So that whole vibe was like, I didn't know what I was expecting because it's my first Olympics, but it was just like this mind blowing, like eye opening kind of experience. Did you go in setting yourself a, a target, a goal? Was it make a final, kind of place a certain position, score a certain score? Like what did you sort of go in there and, and how did you leave the competition feeling? Yeah. Um, so after qualifying a spot, I had made the goal to make all-around finals and I was training, like I was fit, I was really looking forward to it and then COVID, everything happened and by the end of it, I think I was – just happy to be there like with the uncertainty of everything I still really wanted to make a finals but I was just so excited to be wearing the green and gold wearing the Olympic rings on my chest like it was just an amazing experience and I do get to call myself an Olympian now so in the lead up to Paris I can use my experiences from Tokyo and kind of shape my journey to the best of my abilities and yeah What's it like when you're listed as a reserve for the final? Because that's kind of one of those weird <laughs> things, isn't it, where I guess deep down, Georgia, you're kind of hoping that a couple of people pull out, <laughs> right? Like, I mean, you don't want to wish your will on your fellow competitors. You, you, you're nice. You're kind of you're friendly. But deep down you're going, okay, one of these could get COVID. The other could, like, break <laughs> a leg in the elevator tomorrow. And maybe somebody's, like, dog got sick so they've got to go home and I'm in like you kind of like you're kind of working out this yeah. path like are you secretly hoping for some bad things to happen <laughs> oh being a reserve it does suck like you're really close to competing again which like if you're going to the Olympics you want to compete as much as you want like as much as you can but at the same time like I I wouldn't wish any injury I wouldn't wish any sort of COVID on anyone so um yeah, like as a reserve, we have to warm up in the all-around finals. So I was there warming up with all the athletes, prepared. I was in my leotard. Um, and then after that, they're like, okay, like, thank you. You can go up to the stands. And that was hard, but it was nice being up in the stands and watching everyone. 
And it really did motivate me then at that specific point that I was like, okay, I'm going to do everything I can to be in all around finals for Paris. And you get front row seats, literally, to the uh, actual final, right? Like Olympic final, there you are. Like, perfect. Yeah. And this Olympic final was crazy. Yeah. insane. And obviously, when we talked to Emily a little bit about sort of the attention that was around the sport with Simone and everything along those lines, but Mm. it was such a unique final, wasn't it? And kind of coming out of it and just watching everything because, well, it's obviously – you know, sad not to have an athlete on, on the level of Simone Biles competing in the Olympics and everything that she's obviously already achieved. It kind of does open the door then to kind of the next generation, doesn't it, where we can kind of see these athletes who one day when Simone obviously retires that we're seeing the next generation go through. So, again, you had that front row seat to be able to witness kind of all of that happening right in front of you. Yeah, definitely. Like with the MAG all-around competition, it's normally always very close. It goes down to the last apparatus, to the last athlete. Um, but with WAG, like, cause Simone is just so incredible and she's got all these amazing skills under her belt and she's so consistent. It's always Simone and then, um, a bit of daylight and then the the next (laughs) second, third, fourth. Um, so yeah, as unfortunate as it was that Simone did have to pull out for, um, the twisties, um, it was just like an, an incredible experience because it literally did go down to the last athlete on floor. And Emily and I were like standing up in our seats. We're like, Oh my God. Oh my God. What's going on? Did you just see that? And <laughs> it was, yeah. Like we haven't had that excitement for a very long time. So yeah, as unfortunate as it was, I think everyone was just really excited that it, there was a fight to win gold. Is it, approachability to someone like a Simone Biles or, you know, any of the, say, American team or sort of, you know, the Russians and anything like, like, are they approachable enough that you can ask for a bit of advice? Like you can say like, hey, like I, I'm really trying to do this part of my routine and I just, I'm just missing it. Can you give me a bit of advice or is that something that sort of you don't really often do in gymnastics? Um, I guess when we're there, we are pretty focused on training and competing and yeah, like with the Americans, they, they had competitions right through the whole, um, I guess, duration of gymnastics. So they're always switched on. So there's not a lot of, I guess, asking for advice from other countries. Um, within our mixed group, like we had Romania, we had uh, Slovakia and Portugal, and they were all incredible athletes. So I would 100% feel comfortable going up to any of those guys and being like, look, like you do this skill amazingly. Like, is there any tips or tricks that you could tell me? Um, But yeah, with the countries that kind of do compete for a longer duration, I guess it's a little harder to find time when they're switched off and when they can have a chat. Obviously a large part of gymnastics too is say you're on the beam and you've got someone on the floor, you've got music, you've got crowd going off, you've got distractions, you're you're obviously working through all of that uh, at different Mm. competitions. Was it a bit unique in in Tokyo without the crowds kind of maybe there wasn't as a bigger distraction given that you're maybe not having that crowd aspect? And is that kind of jarring because you're sort of like so used to having to block out the crowd noise and things like that when you're on one apparatus versus somebody else competing at the same time? Yeah, um, it was a little different. Like we, Emily and I went in knowing we weren't going to have a crowd. So we had prepared ourselves um, during podium training. We kind of got used to the surroundings of empty stadiums, um, just athletes on the floor, no real officials. Um, so when it came to comp, like we were fully ready. Um, we knew what was going to happen or what we were expecting. So 
yeah and once we're on the comp floor like I know that I zone in so I do not look at the crowds I don't know what's going on on other apparatuses so it wasn't a big difference for me um but yeah like having a crowd especially like for floor when you need that little bit more adrenaline I do thrive off a crowd so that was a little different but I I had Emily in my corner I had all the Australians so um yeah that was a big help I also there was one like memory that I will never forget when I started my floor routine I presented to the judges and there was this huge Aussie flag waving behind them. And I was like, who, who is that waving that flag? And I was like, that's such a strange thing because no one's actually meant to be in here. And then, so I was, I was like, okay, that's a sign. Like I'm going to be, I'm going <laughs> to do this really well. I'm going to nail it. And yeah, it was probably one of my best floor routines of my life. So, wow. <laughs> it's so where did the flag things. come from? Did you find I out? Have, no, I actually have no idea. <laughs> wow. Maybe one of the judges sneakily was like, yeah, this is, we're going to show some allegiances right now. Screw, <laughs> screw impartiality. We're going to throw the, well, go Georgia. This is what we want. <laughs> Maybe. And also um, the Australian chef de mission in Chesterman, he was um, supporting us in the crowd. And Emily was like, um, I heard, I think it was Ian on the beam. And I was like, what? And she's like, yeah, he's just up there. I was like, oh, my gosh. Like, that's actually insane. <laughs> wow. Which, I mean, it must, be, must make it feel pretty good, though, that he's he's obviously going to go out and see as many events as he can and support the Aussies. But he's there yeah. that day supporting you and Emily. Such a smaller team, obviously, kind of. It's only the two of you. So that, that must be a pretty special. There's the big boss. There he is. He's, he's watching us. Yeah, it did feel really nice that he, yeah, took time out of his day to come and watch us and – yeah, even like cheer us on. So it was an amazing moment, I guess, and feeling that, yeah, we had actually achieved this dream and we had an amazing supportive team around us. I always love speaking to athletes from sports that are judge-based, you know, figure skaters, the whole kiss and cry scenario kind of, you know, you've got to be a bit polite. Gymnastics I think is a little bit different because I always see that you sort of, you're so focused on your next apparatus, you kind of what, give a bit of a look to the score and go, okay, cool, let's move on. Do, do you ever just look at those scores sometimes, Georgia, and just go, bullshit, like absolute bullshit that is they, they don't know what they're talking about I executed everything perfectly how did I lose points on that like are you just going oh like what are you thinking right now um yeah like look I, I have those moments and I'm like I honestly don't know why I've been scored that low for a routine that I felt like was really good so um, during competition, I try, I try not to look at the scores for that reason, because I know that if I score, um, low on one apparatus, I'm going to have to try and make it up on a, on the next apparatus. And that can lead to more issues, more errors, more pressure. So I, I try not to look at the scores, but sometimes my coach, um, he'll be like, Oh, they calculated your routine wrong. We're going to have to put in a petition, like all of this stuff. So it really does end up playing on your mind. Um, and yeah, like I, we can't do a lot about the score. Like you can, if they don't calculate your routine properly, you can put in a petition for that, but everything else is kind of up to the judges and you just hope that, yeah, they're all doing their jobs properly and all of that, which they did at the Olympics. Aren't judges former gymnasts or is it kind of something you get into? Like, could you go on to be a judge given you've sort of, been there done that and it helps you then as a judge yeah I think most judges are former gymnasts like it really does help you 
with the skills, with the names, with the, with like what the skills are meant to look like. Um, yeah. As an outsider, like it's not impossible to be a judge without having gymnastics experience, but I think it would be very hard. And in terms of what you were saying about you get judged, you go, okay, well, scored a bit lower than I was thinking or expecting. Is it fluid enough that you can then go to the coach and go, okay, we have to make the points up here. Let's try that routine we tried last week instead of what we were planning on do. Like the strategy side of the all around is kind of fluid and you've got to switch things up sometimes. Yeah. Um, for in my career, I know I haven't had to switch a lot up um, just because with, with my routines, they, I guess I try and get them so consistent that, we don't need to do a lot of switching, but I know previously that my coach had to downgrade um, one of the gymnasts tumbles because she was doing a tumble that wasn't as consistent, but she was placed first at that point in time. So it was better to play it safe than to risk it with these high level tumbles. And she ended up coming away with a win with a reduced difficulty. So there is like a bit of, yeah, technicality and stuff going on in the background, but we try and keep it as normal and as normal to training as possible. Is it like a diving where you have to commit to it? Like, do you have to submit, okay, judges, this is what I'm doing? Or is it on that level a bit more fluid that it's kind of not, you don't have to lock in what you're doing beforehand? Um, we do have to submit our routines, um, but sometimes like we don't make a connection. So the judges always have to be on their toes and watching what we're doing. Um, and also like, we might say we're going to do a triple twist, but we only do a double for some reason. So the judges do have to always be on high alert. I also always love finding out about music choices in a sport like gymnastics when it comes to say the, the, the floor routine. I mean, how much thought is put into that? And do you sometimes just go a bit crazy and just go, okay, well, <laughs> this is going to help me out. I'm going to put on a bit of, I don't know, Nicki Minaj or something along those lines to really kind of keep people on their toes. Like, I mean, is there kind of a skill set involved in the music choice? Oh, I guess it depends on the athlete. So I'm more like heavy drums, like really strong music. But then you have some athletes like Georgia Rose Brown, who's really like elegant. She's slow music. Um, she has these strong tumbles, but she's more flowy um, and kind of ballet-like. Um, so, yeah, it depends on the athlete. And we're getting more variety in music. Like people are using, yeah, like you said, songs that are instrumental versions and so you might be like hey I know this song and then start singing to it and then realize it's someone's floor routine um <laughs> I know Billie Eilish her music's been used quite a lot in the gymnastics world so yeah it's nice it to hear a different versions. yeah variety of music I believe you're a bit of a queen fan George have, <laughs> you ever, have you ever tried to rock out to a bit of we will rock you or don't stop me now or something like that well, I'm actually on the lookout for new floor music, so yeah, you could we'll, use it. yeah. Show yeah. must go on. I mean, it's kind of a bit yes. epic going on there. Oh, underrated yeah. song, Innuendo, just with the guitar solo that's kind of in there and the banjo solo as well. Like, I don't know how that yes. works floor routine, <laughs> but um, you know, why not? Bohemian Rhapsody would be a weird one to do. Like, you get the whole pump up section of the da na 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 na. That could work. Yeah, get the whole crowd like going. Yeah, there was a whole, you know, Wayne's World sort of head nod going in the crowd. Yeah. Like, why not? Like, just really pump it up. Because it's also a sport that, you know, I look at, say, a field event in athletics, like triple jump, high jump, you know, they're getting the crowd clapping along. Like, mm. are you allowed to stop mid-floor routine and kind of turn to the crowd and go, yeah, come on, give a clap? Or is that kind of marked down to the judges frown upon that? 
Um, I've never seen an athlete do that. In our routine, we get marked for like rhythm and movement to the music. So I guess if it fits in with your floor routine, like go yeah. for it. But I, and I guess you do get the, the crowd engaged. So yeah, might be seeing a bit more of that, but I have not seen an athlete do that yet. <laughs> well, hey, you're welcome to use that. You know, you Thank can take you. that on board, Georgia. That, that's a Ben Waterworth uh, original. Obviously, we talked a little bit about Paris and kind of moving forward, but, I mean, do you sort of have, like, short-term goals with the Commonwealth Games less than a year away? Is that kind of an, a next thing, world champs, kind of what's on, on the radar now for you that you, you're back home from the Olympics and kind of looking towards the, the next competition? Yeah, definitely. So... Not 100% sure what we're going to be able to do with COVID um, still kind of running its course in Australia, but Commonwealth Games next year in July is the next big thing. Um, There are World Cups, World Championships, but with the cost of flights and then coming home two weeks quarantine, like we really have to figure out what is worth it and what we kind of need to unfortunately say no to and stay at home and continue training. Yeah, it's kind of that unique aspect that it's sort of people, I think, kind of don't sometimes think about these things. It's all well and good to say, oh, I'm going to go to this competition, but it is the coming home factor, isn't it, which is kind of that that big detriment, you know, who wants to Definitely. keep paying three grand for, for two weeks in a hotel, right? So, yeah, um, and I think with Olympics, like it was pretty simple to get us home, but if we go individually through Gymnastics Australia, like I think there's a bit more, I guess, paperwork and stuff that we need to submit to come home. Which, just on the quarantine, I enjoyed watching your social media. You and Emily seemed to have a bit of uh, fun with that. Uh, good fun, passing the time, kind of Instagram, TikTok, all those kind of things. I mean, it makes it a bit more entertaining, doesn't it? Yeah, like the first week um, we, we got a lot done and then we were doing workouts twice a day. We were always FaceTiming, like we were getting a lot done work-wise and then the second week for me, like the closer I got to coming home, I would wake up, um, stay in my pajamas all day and then get changed into my pajama pajamas. So like it, it was really hard. It was starting to take its toll, but, um, Emily was always there. She's like, dude, you need to get out of your pajamas. Like <laughs> it's not healthy. Um, so we, we do a light workout and yes, yeah, we'd always be FaceTiming coming up with these new, um, social media content ideas and that sort of stuff. So. Well, they're yeah. nice. Like the Qantas pajamas you guys got are pretty epic. I wouldn't want to get out of those. <laughs> yes. We actually got given like three pairs of pajamas. So, wow. Yeah. We the were sitting in the pajama too, department. Which, <laughs> which I was going through your Instagram and obviously you get the team kit. But do you also get given the swimming costumes as well, even though you're not in a water-based sport? Because there was a photo, I think, of you and Emily, I guess, I don't know, relaxing by the pool. So like everybody on the Australian Olympic team gets almost pretty much every piece of kit, no matter what sport you're doing. Yeah, well, we um, we got a one-piece swim suit, I guess, um, but that's because we have recovery. We have cold baths down in the basement, um, so stuff like that. I guess they want us to be in Australian gear when we do go down to the basement. And, yeah, like some of the swimmers, like they have incredible togs and like the long pants, long arms stuff going on, so – yeah, I, I think I'm going to stick with um, just leotards. <laughs> I, I was just I was just intrigued if this was just sharing everything around. So like Patty Mills and Ariane Titmus have been given like leotards or something like that. Just kind of, you know, all the uniforms spread amongst the team. So, I mean, I'd love to see Patty Mills in a leotard. That would be an image. Yeah, that would be interesting. See him, yeah, um, 
yeah, running down the court in a sparkly green and white leotard. <laughs> <laughs> hey, it can't be any worse than um, some of the, the Brooklyn Nets performances in the playoffs now that he's a net. But anyway, we'll leave that to another day. <laughs> um, before we sort of close out with sort of a set of questions, Georgia, to get to know a little bit, a couple of other things too. I, I, I spoke to this about Emily and sort of all our gymnast guests. I, I just want to say if, if anyone from the aerial skiing team comes to one of your practices just say no because they need to stop stealing our gymnastic athletes because as well as we're doing on the world stage in aerial skiing it's great don't get me wrong but like we want this success in gymnastics so can we just say if if david morris lydia lassler someone like that is you know at a, at a practice just say no to them georgia stick to gymnastics just say no or i can 100 percent hands down say i will not be joining aerial skiing the like aerial awareness required for that um it's, I just don't have it. <laughs> so, <laughs> I know some of the gymnasts who have moved over to aerial skiing and yeah, I'm just like, how can you like in, in gymnastics, I'm like, how do you know where you are when you do that skill? And they're like, uh, we just do it. I'm like, okay, you guys will be perfect for aerial skiing. <laughs> Which I think, again, I keep saying you need to do the opposite. You need to go to the Jeff Henke Center. You're there in Brisbane. You need to watch these aerial skiers and you need to poach them back into gymnastics. Like kind of <laughs> give them a taste of their own medicine, right? <laughs> Will do. I'd actually like to slide down that um, ramp thing there. That'd be looks fun. fun. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that would. That, there's a bucket list. I'm sure if we've got people listening there, translated across, but just just don't let them entice you into doing it further. Oh, right? definitely like, not. <laughs> you got Paris to train for, okay? Not yeah. not, not Milan. You're not, not going the to 2026. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Also, um, tell us about your dogs. Georgia, I, I do, I do like kind of seeing this admiration you have. I mean, you, have you got a couple? Is it a couple of dogs you have, or is it just the one? Like, and, and names, everything. Give us all the details. We've got a lot of dog yeah. listeners. Yeah. So I've got two dogs. Um, Rosie, who we um, bought as a puppy from pet store, and she's just the most neediest dog you'll ever meet. She thinks she's a person. She likes to sit um, on the couch like a human. She likes to lay on you as a lap dog, even though she 100% is not a lap dog. Um, <laughs> and then we have Chili, who's a black and white border collie. And yeah, we adopted Chili from a farm when she was 10 years old. And yeah, they've just got on like two peas in a pod. Um, as border collies, you think they'd be so active, like constantly running around. But Chili's now 13, Rosie is 12, I think. So. They're old doggos. They like to just lounge around, eat food, and demand pats. But yeah, <laughs> perfect, perfect life. That's what we all yeah, want to strive for. Definitely. Right? Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I'm a big around. um, yeah, animal person. We do have a cat as well. Oh, and tell me about the cat. Yeah. I'm more of a cat person, George. I need to a know cat about the person? cat. Yeah, she's a tortoise shell. Her name's oh. Missy. Um, we adopted her from the RSPCA. And she only likes mum and I, females. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll say, I'll say one thing. More, more pictures of Missy on the Instagram, all right? Sure, share, okay. share the love around the cats and the dogs. <laughs> <laughs> I will. She's, um, okay, I'll, I'll post a photo and you'll see she just, you know, grumpy cat? Yep, yep, yep. She's like that version but angry cat. No. She just always looks angry and like she's like, stop taking photos of me. Like absolutely no. she hates it. So that's well, why I don't take many photos because she does tend to attack. It worked for Grumpy Chat, Cat though, uh, viral <laughs> star, so you could create Angry Cat, you know. Why not? Just uh, viral sensation Angry Cat. Okay, I look forward to seeing pictures. I, I really do. Uh, now, 
Georgia, we close out every single interview with a set of fun, sort of get to know your questions. As always, we explain this. It was a Team Canada questionnaire they put to their athletes ahead of Rio and Pyeongchang. As always, we try and get somebody from the same sport. And the only gymnast that they've ever done this with is with the great Rosie McLennan. Obviously, you started in trampolining, so it kind of balances it out a little bit. Mm -hmm. So we'll go with that. Question number one. The greatest Olympian of all time is? Oh, Stephen Bradbury. Yes. Yes. Like, oh, greatest I, answer ever. Incredible. <laughs> <laughs> I seriously get so excited when people answer because another question they often ask with this is greatest Olympic moment. And, you know, standard answers for Australia, Kathy Freeman, great answer, Thorpe, all that sort of stuff. But yeah. when somebody, you know, mentions Bradbury, I get a little bit excited. So Yeah, I think it's just like, like never give up you don't yeah. know what's going to happen keep going <laughs> and and he's and he's a brisbane boy so i'm saying this now that 11 years out from brisbane we can think of all the great queenslanders lighting the i mean you yourself will be a four-time olympic gold medalist by then you could probably light <laughs> the cauldron but i'm just saying right now i know it's not a winter olympics but stephen bradbury to light the cauldron at the brisbane olympics come on there's yeah, there's my first nominee it. yeah definitely absolutely and because he's a two-time medalist vote. People forget that he won a bronze in Lillehammer as well. So he has got the two. Mm-hmm. So uh, he's more than just a gold. Your first Olympics you ever remember watching was? Um, Beijing. Beijing. It's always a question I get scared of asking because it makes me feel old when people say that <laughs> Beijing was like the first one. And i got to think back, oh, yeah, Barcelona, 92. That's when I first remember it. Uh, we just won't mention that more. Uh, if you could be any superhero, who would it be? Um... Oh, that's I have two that I like, um, Iron Man or Batman. <laughs> oh, I like it. Covering both DC and Marvel there as well, so you're piece yeah. of both sides of the well, spectrum. Well, I also grew up with Spider-Man. Like my brother was a big Spider-Man fan, so I can't choose one. <laughs> I think I think Spider-Man might help you more on the gymnastics side of things. I don't know if you can wear so. the Iron Man or Batman suit. <laughs> I mean, you could. You could try. Uh, don't know how it would help there. Uh, your favourite ice cream flavour is? Strawberry. Oh, no hesitation. Straight into it. I <laughs> like it. Um, if you were a baseball player, what would your walk-up music be? Um, another one bites the dust. <laughs> <laughs> I just feel like it'd be really cool to walk in that dun, like beat. Dun, dun. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you feel and like you you're psych- on top of the world. <laughs> psych out other competitors as well. Like you, you go Definitely. last and then everybody, ah, well, another one bites the dust. Here I go. Like, come on. Yeah. Just, uh, like I pump. have no idea what I'm doing, but. I'm going to fake it till I make it. <laughs> exactly. That's, that's the main thing. That's what we all try and do. Um, the best nickname you have ever been called is? Oh, I don't know. I feel like this is like my surname's Godwin, so I've had Goddy. Mm-hmm. Um, that's a pretty common one. George G. But other than that, like. Do you ever get like. Godfrey, uh, like from the the whole vacuum thing, like cleanliness is next to godliness. Like, could you, if, if you're a bit of a neat freak, like maybe your parents say that? I don't know. Emily's a neat freak. I am not. <laughs> <laughs> so we met halfway in Tokyo. Um, but yeah, nah, not that one. So it's just your side of the room, just complete cluttered, and she's just going to sleep every night, going, Georgia, pick up your clothes. <laughs> yeah, my side plus a little bit of Emily's, maybe. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> You know what's wrong if she starts cleaning up your room and then all of a sudden... Yeah, she just pushes it to my side. Let it go, Emily. Let it go. Um, If you weren't an athlete, what would you be? Um, Well, 
I currently work in the health field, so hopefully full-time job somewhere in that field. That works. Easy. Yeah. I like it. Um, your guilty pleasure snack is? Pizza. Pizza. <laughs> is that a snack? Oh, is that a well, full meal? <laughs> it's just any answer that's pizza is fine by me. So, you know, again, and the no hesitation thing, I love it when you're just straight into it. Boom, pizza. Absolutely. Don't even need to yeah, think. 100%. Do you have a, a, a preference on pineapple on pizza? It's a controversial question, I know. Pineapple belongs on pizza. Correct 100%. You are welcome well, on the show. As I'm many a cheese times pizza. Like. I Ooh. love my cheese pizzas. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> Thick crust, thin crust kind of preference there. Deep pan. Yeah, deep pan. Okay. All right. It's always about the, you know, you got to clarify things, right? When the rules around pizza and peanut butter and all these kinds yeah. of uh, things along those lines. Growing up, now I, I think I know the answer to this because I, I read a bio on a different website here, but I, I want to hear you answer it. Uh, your favorite sporting team growing up? Brisbane Broncos. Right. Now, how are they going this year? <laughs> Georgia, they're doing all right? Or? <laughs> and not fantastic, but we have next season. It's They'll come back next season. They'll be fine. <laughs> yes, that's that's the mantra in, in all that sort of thing. Do you get, like, yeah. as, as a Queenslander, I, I, I mean, I lived there for a little bit and it was kind of always interesting, that whole dynamic with the whole NRL, AFL thing. Do you, do you ever sort of get on the, the Lions or the Suns bandwagon sometimes uh, just to check it out or are you just sort of very not really focused on the AFL? Um. Not really. Like I grew up with the NRL because dad's a big NRL fan. My grandpa goes for the Cowboys. Um, And yeah, I just, I don't know the rules with AFL. I don't know what's going on. So yeah, like I do go for Brisbane Lions because home team, but I've, yeah, not if you ask me how they're going, like I actually could not be like I can't answer that. <laughs> well, at the time of recording, they're still in the finals. Let's just put it that oh, way. I, I okay. say, Yay. I say, get on the Suns train. I, I I've got a real Suns? soft spot when I when I when I lived there. I'd go to more Suns games and Lions games, and I just I got quite uh, quite close to kind of just what they were trying to achieve. So they're like the real <laughs> underdogs of the competition. So um, are they in the finals as well? Not even close. <laughs> uh, next year is, is, is the constant yeah. thing, maybe, moving forward with that. Definitely. Um, the most recent TV show that you binge-watched? Um, Out of Banks in Quarantine. Nice. That, was that the was only show, one? Did you get through a few um, in Quarantine? or? Nah, just Out of Banks, and then I watched quite a few Studio Ghibli movies. Nice. I do love yeah, a bit of anime, but, yeah, it's all my friends were like, oh, dude, like you got to watch this TV show. It's about teenagers going on treasure hunt. I'm like, uh, okay, <laughs> that sounds like fun. Um, but, yeah, they didn't do a very good job of explaining it. Like it's actually pretty yeah. good. <laughs> it's, it's always interesting when somebody tries to explain a show to you and you're like, what? Why would I want to watch that? And then you end up yeah. watching it and you're like, okay, well, let's see. See what you did there. So Yeah, now I'm hooked and I need to know. Yeah, True I remember blood. getting into True Blood and they're like, vampires. Oh, God, vampires, really? Like, Twilight. But then you watch it and you're like, okay, this is not that bad. It's not Twilight. Um, <laughs> a lot more adult than Twilight, so uh, put it that way. Uh, your favourite place in the world to compete is? Spain. Spain, nice. Yeah, if I could move to Spain tomorrow, like I would. It's just an amazing place. Um, people are so friendly. It's warm. <laughs> <laughs> Ticks all the boxes. Yeah. <laughs> Food's good. And, well, that's always a, always a benefit as well. The last one here. It's a deep one, Georgia. Your biggest fear in life is? Oh, needles. <laughs> <laughs> absolutely petrified of needles. 
Wow. Like so, I had so to vaccine get my COVID. for COVID is a pretty scary thing then. <laughs> it, yeah, I really had to work myself up for that. And it was about a three-day workup. Like wow. really trying to talk myself into it. <laughs> Jeez. So, so scarier than competing in an Olympics then? <laughs> Yeah, get, give me that again. I I do it over needle. needles any day. <laughs> yes, but would you rather the needle kind of quick done over with, or kind of the thing up the nose every day for the COVID test? Thing up the nose. Thing up the nose. Wow. Okay. <laughs> right. I, like I had that. ten so far, so like doesn't really phase me anymore. Um, <laughs> but I, I knew I had to get the needle for myself and everyone around me. So yeah. that was kind of the main motivator. <laughs> That's that's a good motivator to have. Georgia, before we let you go, I, I mentioned your social media. Uh, give it a plug. Where can people sort of follow you on, on the journey and along the way to see what you're up to? And go back and watch all these epic videos that you were posting in quarantine. Yeah, well, Emily and I created some amazing reels. So check out Instagram, Georgia underscore Godwin. Um, I've just started TikTok, which um, yes. is very new to me. Um, my dancing is not fantastic, but please no hate. <laughs> um <laughs> My TikTok is just Georgia Godwin, um, and yeah, please follow. Look, look forward to the Missy photos. That's all I can say. <laughs> yes, they'll yes. be coming up shortly. Hashtag Angry Cat. Um, Georgia, a lot of fun to chat with you to learn more about your career and Olympic experiences. We'll be cheering you on and keeping a close eye in the lead up to uh, not o- not only Paris, not only LA, but Brisbane. I'm saying you're going to be there. Keep pushing through, <laughs> and uh, best of luck for it all. And we really appreciate your time on the show today. Thank you so much for having me, Ben. Thanks, everyone, for listening. A lot of fun there with Georgia. Thanks very much for your time. I feel like I always need to kind of uh, prelude my aerials and, and gymnastics bashing in, in terms of each other because I, I love both sports, but I just I just really find it odd that uh, so many gymnasts end up in aerials and we go on to some great success in aerials. But uh, sadly, we haven't quite had the medal turnaround in gymnastics. So I'm just saying, all right, just I'm trying to, I'm working out a strategy here that maybe all our good gymnasts uh, that are winning medals in aerials, if they stick to gymnastics, they could also be translating that into Olympic results. Not to say that none of our gymnasts are good, of course, at the moment. It's more of a case of I'm just trying to work out some sort of balance here to, to share the love. So... Aerial skiers, if you're listening, that that is just something that I'm, I'm trying to work out here. But again, I'm a podcast host, not a sports expert, so uh, ignore my advice, it seems. Georgia, obviously a big thanks to her for joining us on the show today. And I forgot to mention to Georgia, actually, uh, I'm looking at my Woolworths Aussie Hero sticker album right now where Georgia was one of the more common ones I would always get, so I've got a few doubles of Georgia. But uh, favourite vegetable, carrot. So... There we go. Didn't quite bring that up there. But for those playing at home who maybe didn't quite collect the Aussie Hero stickers, I'm teaching you something before too. And I think actually now looking at this might be the only sport in which we have completed the set of guests on this show. Jai Wallace and Georgia Godwin, both uh, the Aussie Hero stickers and both guests on Off the Podium. So look at us ticking the boxes off there. You're welcome, Off the Podium fans. Uh, If you are a fan of this show, stay tuned. We've got plenty more great guests and episodes coming your way. And if you don't want to miss a single episode, simply search for us on all the good podcast platforms off the podium hit the subscribe button rate us out of five we'd love to hear what you think of the show as well leave us some feedback and on social media as well off the podium on instagram twitter and facebook stay up to date with everything we're posting and you can go back and listen to all the past episodes that we've had some great guests and plenty more still to come once again thanks to georgia thanks to you for listening my name is ben this is off the podium and as always remember go left <laughs>